may as well begin then. Yeah. A little heartbreaking we didn't wait. I just... I couldn't figure out what the logo was. It was like a hand or something for a second. I kind of like that. It is a hand. Yes. Here, I'll pretend I'm opening in. That was actually not that awful of an invitation. Thank you. I'm a little impressed by that. I've been working on my... Um, in... Pers... Per... Impressions You're in perspiration? In perspirations. Making sure your sweat is only internal? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, cheers, as usual. Cheers. Today Thanks. we are drinking some Okanaga Spring. I, uh -huh. I never heard of them. I saw a sample pack uh, in the grocery store today and said, you know what, why not try something new and different? Yeah, so I'm going, uh, I'm starting this off with a pale ale. I'm not a big fan of uh, pale ales, so I'm sort of drinking this one to get out of the way, but this one actually tastes pretty smooth. That's nice. I'm going for the, the honey coals. So it was one of those weird sample packs, a uh, little pet peeve if you're out there and you happen to be a beer brewery. Especially with packs of this, we were probably going to share them with somebody. There's two of everything. This one had four different drinks, but six bottles, meaning they gave us two and two of like their normal one and then one each of the other one. Yeah. So like the honey coals I'm having now, there was only one of. So, I mean, like, I guess like, if you're pouring them into glasses and doing more of like, a tasting, but like a day like today where it's just, hey, pop a few beers, For not sure. everyone gets one. Everyone, everyone uh, splits these taster packs up differently. I don't think there's a right way to do it, though. I kind of like the two of each. I like the even two numbers of each also, for sure. We did the Creamore one last time where it's 12, so you get uh, three of each and those four flavors. Oh, this is actually yeah. really good, yeah. I'm a sucker for anything, like any kind of honey beer and has a little bit of sweetness in it. They grew mm. a, little bit, a little sweetness into it. I always like that. That's it. So, Okanagan Spring, I think that's Canadian. Uh, let's do our usual examine the bottle until we find... Yeah, Vernon, BC. There we go. Oh, BC. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Okanagan Spring is, uh, is out west. Okay, you actually think, yeah, I see it's brewed. It's, uh... Yeah, Vernon, BC. I'm reading the French side of it, yeah. Brewed by Okanagan Spring. I don't know if it's actually, like, if it's by them or, like, by the spring itself, like, next to, geographically. I don't know, but it's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, nonetheless, a good beer. I'm happy with the choice. Little surprise. Happy to hear it. Mm-hmm. Awkward pause because we both took a sip at the same time. Yes, I will likely edit. I will likely have to cut this part. I'm hoping I have to cut this part. I'm going to apologize for any weird hum in this episode. This same bullshit hot room I freaking record in, I finally put a fan in here, and I know that's so unprofessional and it might sound bad, but it was just dreadful today it's like humid out so the apartment is really hot so if people can't hear it you're gonna cut it out yeah if we get this back and if 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 we get this back and it sounds good enough we'll get this whole chunk out cool uh, if it's still there we apologize for the weird hum yeah but you know it, it ha it's for our own safety mm -hmm. a little bit because we seem to always pick the days where it's 30 degrees outside yeah and... again today is one of those <laughs> now that we're um I'm trying to better organize the podcast when I post them to include a small blurb of what we discuss, mm. but doing it in a way where it's kind of cute. It's always like something and something. So like last week, I know I put like weather and summer camps. Yeah. This will be like weather and apologizing for fans. Yeah. So we better talk about an even number of topics before we get into the main thing. Yes. It's that was, I kind of worked it myself a little bit. Like I had to cheat a little bit. And I don't think one of them was, I think one of them was like feedback and I left it as is. Oh, well. That's Whatever. fine. It worked out. You listened to it. You enjoyed it. And you're still here, I assume. <laughs> so I think we've gotten to the point where, because obviously sometimes when we're recording and you work later than I do, mm -hmm. I'll go home and then I will come pick you up. Which is usually the case. And drive you to your place. Yeah, it's usually the case because you're full-time. I work part-time. So sometimes I won't work or I'll have a shorter shift. And we don't, like, we always are saying, like, oh, I thought this this thing happened to me. We'll talk about it on the show. We'll talk about it on the show. Because <laughs> if we just keep talking about, we're, you know, about our days and about things that are on our mind in the car, we would sit through these first, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, the weather's hot. Which we yeah. do either way. <laughs> we still do. We still do talk about the weather. But <laughs> it's just I remember thinking, like, all these things. Like, oh, I should tell Drew about this. So we talk mm -hmm. about this. And it's like, oh, wait, no. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until we're actually sitting in front of the microphone. And talk about it. Um, yeah. And, like, there's definitely a few things I can think of I want to bring up, but they're really related to our main topic, so I'm holding off until the second half of the show when we get into our big topic. Well, what we can definitely talk about is uh, you may have noticed, and obviously this is a podcast, so people aren't seeing us right now, but you personally. You! Yes, noticed. I said, I, I noticed today when you work, you have shaved. I have shaved. Not fully. Not fully. It's, it's just trimmed. It's, I've, I've, I've quaffed. 
And you also got a haircut from that, totally. Yes. Mind. Haircut, uh, trim. And I was just saying, it's funny because I got it, you know, I got this done yesterday. Yesterday being Wednesday the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I guess it's not, you know, whenever people listen to this, it's not going to be the same time as we are talking right now. Because it's not going to go up until at least a day or two from now. Yeah. Let alone we, haven't, we haven't gotten to the live podcasts yet. One you know? day, though. One day, I'm down. Ideally, that'd be cool if we, if we keep doing this really well. Anyway... Up until I got my haircut, everyone would walk by and be like, hey, nice beard, nice beard, beard's coming in full. <laughs> Second I come into work today, looking like this, everyone's like, you look good, you cleaned up, it's about time. And it's like, oh, that's night and day. You're switching it up a little, all right. I think it's just, we work with a very friendly staff who will yeah. compliment anything. That's it. Intentions like, are good. I can't, uh... The number of coworkers I see where it's like, it's been like a few days we haven't seen each other, and they always go with the, you've slimmed down, you're losing weight, and I'm like, oh, thank you. I don't think I have. I really don't feel like I have, but maybe? But it's a great ego boost. Yeah. But I gotta say, though, it is a good look, and I mean, it's like that perfect, like, I got a haircut too and I didn't shave, so it's not really nice and then lying yet. I gotta clean up a little bit. Yeah, well, if I, uh... If I, if I shave completely, I would look like a 15-year-old. You really would. Like, I went out to a bar last night with our friend Michael, and I got carded. <laughs> I haven't been carded in years. Was except that... maybe when I go down to the States, because the States, it's 21. And I guess reasonably, like, even with a beard, I could still be under 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Canada, in Montreal... Where it's 18, yeah. Barely get carded. Ever. No, that's it. Last time I got carded was in Toronto. I have not been carded in Montreal since I was like 16. I love telling the story. Um, went to the SAQ, so local liquor uh, co-op. Yes, our, uh, our liquor commission. Yeah, or, uh... that's it. Uh, not this recent New Year's, but the one before that with our friend Carol. Mm-hmm. And Carol's a few years older than me. And they carded her. <laughs> they did not card me. <laughs> and so... Ever since then, I knew the beard had... Powers. Had powers. I don't think I'll ever look my age. But I gotta say, carding somebody can be really nice. We both work in a retail environment where carding people sometimes is necessary. Yeah, but not necessarily because of an age thing. It's more because of... Well, it's to verify ID and there is still some age limits we need to check. Yes. Um, back when I worked at EB Games, I used to do a lot where I would card parents yeah. buying M-rated games for their kids. Kind of in the, are you really over 17? Like, I'm clear, like, you're clearly a mother of, like, three kids. You're clearly in, like, at the least, you're, like, late 20, early 30s. Like, really stressing it here with, like, three kids all, like, walking and talking. Like, I can't imagine if your oldest one is, like, 10 you had the kid when you were 17. Like, no, you, you're clearly, like, mid-30s, early yeah. 40s. Okay, I never but did But it's that. a nice compliment. I worked at EB Games also, so I, I, I never yeah, did true. that. We both had that, yeah. Yeah, we both have that in our past. On that subject, mm-hmm. you remember, I mean, I worked at EB Games when Grand Theft Auto 4 came out. And so, yeah. honestly, you know, and working in the area that I did, it was a lot of mothers, suburban mothers, just buying these games for their kids, not having a clue what's going on with it. Yeah, that was one of my biggest pet peeves. For those who listen and might not play video games, there is something called the ESRB rating system, which yeah. you probably know of Very more than Very similar to movie yeah. rating systems. You know, there's, there's certain things that appear in video games that they judge are not, may be offensive, you know, more more from a legal standpoint, yeah. so to avoid litigation or anything like that. It was like actually that. started by Nintendo and Sega as a co-op with yeah. the release of the Mortal Kombat game for the home console from the arcade machine. Mm-hmm. Um, because Nintendo ended up losing a fuck ton of money on it. There you go. Uh, they chose to exclude the realistic looking blood that Mortal Kombat had in the arcade. Sega said, uh, we'll keep it. And it boosted Sega sell sales. Like it basically just won the war that like the next like, year and a half of console wars. It really put Nintendo in a bad place. So That's they right. came together, started the system and even allowed themselves to put up more mature games now that they had this system. So when a parent came in going, this game looks fun. I'll buy it for my kid. They could flip the game over, see it was rated T, uh, and the teen is recommended 13+, plus, and it says mild violence, mild language, mild sexual themes. That's it. Or Grand Theft Auto, which literally in the back of the box shows a guy picking up a fucking hooker, and yeah. I'm showing this to a mother who has a 12-year-old son. He'll be fine. That's it. We always had to Fuck. We always had to sort of say, it was, all, it was GTA 4 where we had to like, you know what's in this game, and the mother would be like, I'd say no, and I don't really care. 
Yeah, I think or I dealt with advice city a lot too. Yeah, or they would say, yeah, but whatever. I did, a, you know, every now and then I would have a parent actually turn around and be like, oh, hell no. And that was it. It was <laughs> the parents who knew. Yeah. Or the one I had a lot of, and I still, like, even working today, meeting people, are we even EV in the mall, so we'll come with a bag, we'll make small talk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what'd you get? And the kid's like, oh, I got, like, you know, whatever game. Like, I know it's an M-rated game. I'm not going to say anything's not my place. Yeah. And the parent will even turn to me, like, assuming the judgment and go, yeah, but we play it together only when he's supervised by me. And I'm like, that's good parenting. Like, fuck that. If you want to go and buy Grand Theft Auto, you're going to play it with your kid, mm-hmm. always supervised or at least mostly supervised and make it even educational. Of like, yes, this is a video game. You know, this is a video game. We're playing. This isn't real life. Good for you. Yeah. Like I- there are certain games I swear by and I will tell people you should play this. And if it is, you're a bit younger, I might turn to the parents and say, if you're okay with him playing, playing games that are a little more violent, a little more gory, no, like, nothing sexual, no swearing, just, like, kind of horror and gory, here's the game I suggest. And if they're like, no, not his thing, shut up. And I'll recommend Portal like I always do, because that's one of the greatest games of all time ever. Yeah. I uh, I think that's a great topic we could definitely do a main show on, just mm-hmm. violence in video games. What I will say is my mom did not let me play grand theft auto until i was 18 respect and although it's a 17 plus game you could have played the, the thing is i was selling that game before i myself was allowed I to did play the same it thing. <laughs> um i was hired at 16 like are you 17 are you doesn't matter i'm not buying it bitch yeah and it's like her reasoning was i let you play halo because realistically aliens aren't going to invade and you're not going to you know, have to shoot them with radar guns and whatever. Radar, radar guns. I'm sorry. I know the Halo. No, I know that was a very mom response. I assume you were channeling your mother there. Yes. Yes. Plasma. But Grand Theft Auto is, you know, steeped in reality a little bit. As much as an exaggerated reality. It is, though. It's still a realistic situation. It does depict... Like, I, I always go back to picking up hookers and then either paying them or killing them. Yeah. It's a thing that happens in the real world. Hookers you know, get jobs because they, whatever they choose to, or they can't get anything else. And this is their fallback or they're sold into it or whatever yes. horrible scenario leads them there, whether by choice or not. Definitely not a subject we should be opening up. In no, no, regard, no. But, but just really to get into the yeah. point of like, this is realistic. This could shape the way your child grows up looking at women. Like, no Halo. I get like, I was allowed to play Halo as a kid. Yeah. My parents and my brothers play GTA because they knew I was responsible enough. They understood it wasn't for me, it was for them. Mm-hmm. And they really just liked it as a stupid game to do stupid shit in. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was supervised so much by them, but through me, they felt comfortable with it. Like, they weren't allowed playing it if I wasn't there. I mean, at the time, I was only 15 or 16. Right. But at the same time, it was the, we get it. You play games, you know where lines are, you've never done anything stupid because of it whether they be violent or not. Like, I played Mortal Kombat. I played, you know, some of these shooters back in the day, like Goldeneye. They knew yeah. I was fine. I wasn't losing in school or doing anything stupid. Mm-hmm. So they said, if your brothers want to play a game that is primarily violent because they want to fire 89 rocket launchers at the police and see what happens because it's fun to set up stupid scenarios, then by all means, as long as you're supervising. That's it. I think, so, that, like, I added it to our little, you know, quote-unquote list I think yeah. that's a great topic to get into mm-hmm. uh, more in a future episode. I may even push a little further and go into, because that was actually one of my studies in school. Yeah. Was a lot of the times I did projects, it was always on like the media. So I would very heavily go into things like uh, how much pressure we put on movies to, you know, to hit certain standards. Like a game being violent, end of the world. World War II movie, no one cares. It's true. Yeah, and, definitely, uh, definitely something worth yeah. talking about. Uh, well, actually... On that subject, just a story I'm going to learn for another time to tell. I had a class where I had to do a oral presentation. I debate sort of like a 10-page essay, like in a humanities class. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to a stage up, I don't know if other schools have humanities as a class. Essentially, it's a class to usually teach ethics uh, or something along those lines. Critical some thinking. Critical thinking. Um... So it was like writing essays and usually on like interesting subjects. So we, I've done classes on like black history I did classes on, you know, Egyptian history, and one of the ones I did was on research papers. So, essentially, it was how to write a research paper yeah. and how to do proper research. Fucking kill me. She read us an entire article about a man being attacked by a bear, surviving, not killing the bear, 
but getting the bear away safely after it injured itself, like this story that should have been the most incredible story you'd heard all year, and she managed to make it boring. Damn. She was one of those teachers. Damn. I knew I was dropping out at this point. This was the year I dropped out of college, and I knew I was dropping out, but I had written an essay for her, and I really was proud of it, and I wanted to deliver it. Right. But I wanted to do something really, really big to leave this class. I think I may have told you the story in the past. Possibly. So we had to write a research paper on something relevant to our program. I was in media at the time. So I did a presentation on how cigarettes are viewed in movies. Hmm. Of how, like, I mean, example, classic. You think of a cigarette in a movie, it's usually the villain. The one I always give is Cruella de Vil hmm. from the Hunter Dalmatians. Yeah. Or it's the main character in an attempt to show that he's not perfect, I air quotes, that he's flawed in some way. Think of any, like, co cop drama where the, he's, the, he's the loose cannon cop who plays by his own rules. He has a cigarette. He smokes or he drinks. There's always that, like, crux to prove they're not perfect. Yeah. I did the entire presentation, like, 15, 20 minutes, with a cigarette behind my ear and I'd pull it down and, like, I'd roll it up to my fingers or I'd, like... Like, person in my lip while I was turning the pages. Just, like, really playing with it. Yeah. And I finally turned to my audience at the end going, like, and in conclusion, it's clear that, it, like, you know, it's bad because it does promote smoking in some cases as the hero. It does also downplay it as being the villain. But you see it on screen, no matter what you do, you watch them with a cigarette, and all you do is a smokers, you want one. And I ask, how many of you are smokers? Everyone raises half the group, raises their hands, teacher included, and I go, and how many are just craving a cigarette now? Because I've been talking about them and playing one of the last like 40 minutes, something like that. And they're all like, yes. Huh? And I say to the teacher, I know what you mean. I light the cigarettes, take a puff, put it out on her desk, and walk out of that classroom, never to be seen again. <laughs> Just one of those moments where I was like, I want to have that fucking story. Like, who was that guy? Like, I should have had shades. I should have gone to a bike and just revved away. It's like, does he even go here? <laughs> or did he just come in and take a, make a presentation? Has anybody ever seen this guy before? Yeah, no, that class was That's gosh. the worst guest speaker ever. <laughs> Everyone's just like, I need a cigarette. Now everyone's I had a, smoking. I had a teacher legitimately... <laughs> I convinced the entire class to smoke. We had a teacher once go, today's the presentation day. Let's go outside. Why go outside? I haven't had a smoke yet today. You're all about to do presentations, and I have to sit here and listen and pay attention. I'm having a fucking cigarette. Took us all outside. We sat by the bleachers in a nice big open field. So they had to really yell that he heard. And she just went through like a pack. Oh, God. <laughs> she had a really stressful day. It was something to do with her uh, her other job. But uh, she was a sweetheart, really nice teacher. Invited me to go to Ireland with her. Oh. All right. Uh, and her husband. Oh. Yeah, wasn't about to delve into that one, but she was super fucking nice. Never know what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. That was a class we did on famous forgeries. Hmm. She's one of the only, th at the time, one of the only three people on earth who have a degree in that field. That's crazy. From her school. So she explained, like, here are the three textbooks you'll use, because they're the only three that currently exist. I co-wrote two of them, and I'm best friends with the author of both of them, and the two guys who also co-wrote the last one, because it's the other two guys from my book. If you plagiarize, I'm going to find out. It's my specialty. <laughs> and she says every year someone still does. How? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an event about school now. We don't want to get back onto this one. Yeah. For more information about post-secondary education, you can go back to one of our previous podcasts, aptly titled Post-Secondary Education. Aptly titled. Good call. Aptly titled. Uh, I think it's episode two? Maybe three. Two or three. Yeah, I have to do that again. It's one of the early ones. Back in the, in the, 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 the infancy stage of our podcast. Yeah. Actually, really funny. So our last episode, we got into a nice little bit riff uh, from Jake and Amir. Yeah. Funny enough, going through my podcast the next day, one of my favorite shows, my brother, my brother and me, had them on as guests. Oh, really? Oh, and they were fantastic. And they have their own podcast now, eh? Yeah. If and I apparently a uh, TV series, too, on um, whatever their like, online premium subscription yeah, they have, services. Yeah, uh, they have Lonely. It's called Lonely and Horny. That's it, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I think I saw no. the first episode of it. It's, it's, I'd like to watch that. I still haven't seen their movie either. Mm, they did like okay. a Jake and Amir special. Oh, uh, Fired. Fired. Did yeah, I did it? see it. I Anything? did see it. Um, I don't remember much about it because I must have seen it at least a year, year or two ago. But it, I, I think I might right. try to get a copy of it finally. I think back then I was like looking for online free streaming and I yeah. gave up. 
I think I'll just splurge a few bucks, pick it up, and watch it one night this oh, week. It yeah. looks really good. That's that. I, I don't remember where I found it, but it was it was solid. It's worth a watch. Yeah, Jake I think it was after our show yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last week, we ended up watching a bunch <laughs> of Jake and Amir. Yes, I think I continued binging for like hour and a half after you left. Oh my god! Well, there's so many videos. It was like they went That's for it. years or something. Oh like yeah, that. I think it's still going on. No, Jake and Amir is done. Has it actually ended? Yeah. yeah. Now they're doing they're like they're still a duo. But they're doing their podcast and they're doing their their TV thing and they're they're doing uh, live appearances. They're at um, not this past year, but the year before that, they were at Just for Laughs. Damn it! I was in Europe. Would have loved to have seen that one. Would have also, but I was in Europe. Did so. you see anything for Just for Laughs this year? No. Neither did I. I'm usually I usually tend to go to every, almost every year to something, but this year just nothing sparked us. I never really done a Just for Laughs. I did a couple jazz fest shows. Um, I've never done a jazz fest show either. Funny. Yeah, no, so, um, just for laughs, I don't know. Stand-up comedy, I find I can't just go to any random stand-up comic. Like, I, uh, the last stand-up comedy show I went to was when my dad, my brother, and I drove to Ottawa to see Louis Black. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, and then before that, my dad and I went to see Bill Maher. Mm. so both of those were good because i knew who they were i had an idea of their type of material like bill maher obviously is going to be very political very left-leaning but still critical of the left oh yeah, yeah um and sort of just i'm better than you type thing whereas lewis black it's more just i'm old and i hate everyone who's younger <laughs> than me he is really good i love his stuff he He's was great good. back on john oliver in the day yes yes he was i so. always say if you ever want to go to a good show during just for laughs they can be a bit pricey because like get shit seats who cares you're going for the, the stand-up not for the the view yeah um go to a gala find a gala with like one or two comedians you know so last year paula and i did two and then okay. Stu and i did another one another buddy of ours uh paula and i went to go see ellie kemper as the host don't worry about the host the host generally is advice to the podcast and to you apparently the host generally is just there to introduce the acts, give a small, like, clearly writer-written joke in the middle, mm-hmm. and occasionally can do something really fun. Like, Ellie Kemper did a whole song and dance about how she's better than you. Oh. That was pretty cute. But really, it was she introduced, I think, like, seven or eight comics. Each one does a really small, like, best of bits. You get a really good taste of them. Okay. And going in, we knew two or three. Chris Hardwick, one of my absolute favorites, I always quote as my hero of podcasting. Like, if this podcast goes anywhere near what his has done, it's amazing. Bless. Um, yeah, bless, man. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so him was fantastic. I knew he was going to be good. And then the other, another one of his guests was um, Michael Che from SNL. Ooh. Who, again, I know. So I was, I'd never seen a stand-up. I knew from SNL. Probably the worst of the bunch, but still good. All right. And then you get, like, five or six new ones. Who you've never seen. And you know what? Half them will hit, half will be misses. In this case, they're almost all hits. Right. Uh, we went to the... A really weird one was uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick Stewart's with Stu. Okay. was, again, just another amalgamation of good comics. It was a free show, so I wasn't going to give it up. Right. Uh, but again, a few comics I'd heard of and I really liked. One I actually ran into on the street before the show. Oh. Kyle Kinane. Oh, my God. Is he funny, that guy? He's, again, you'd like him. He's like the... I'm kind of a little old. I'm kind of bitter. Like, I'll do weed, but like... I just get paranoid and like end up ordering pizza and staying home alone. I like, will do weed. He's he's good. He's he's a great voice too. He's one that's like he's just fun to listen to. That's right. Um, but he's one too I'd heard before, so I was happy to see. And the other five or six were mostly hits. Uh, the really weird one was Pat. Uh, I didn't think Patrick Stewart. Neil Patrick Harris. Sorry. He did one where it was like a circus theme. So like there were a few standups. There was a guy who did like a puppet show. One was a midget. But the other ones were like a pole dancer. Or, like, a really fat woman singing about having sex. All right. Uh, or, like, a clown doing, like, operatic singing. Like, it was just, like, really fucking bizarre, but really fun. Hmm. But generally, like, just for laughs, pick a gala with at least one or two comedians you know or you know you think you'll like. And you'll end up discovering some new comedians. You get a good taste of it. It's like a good, like, a sample platter. And if you like the host, it's usually more fun. Like, Patrick Stewart really did a good show, I think. Like, he did his opening monologue, was fucking hilarious. It was just, like, raunchy as all fuck. It was great. Hmm. I guess I don't know enough stand-up comedians to really say, I know these one or two comedians. I will, we, will, we will change that. We will do some stand-up comedy nights, I think, you and I. Just watch some uh, Netflix specials or look at some good stand-up. Yeah, we could have to do Kyle that. Kyle Payne, for sure, point. I think we'll be next one. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. 
Oh I'm ready God. for my next beer, but while I get my next beer, why don't you tell them uh, what we're speaking of today? What are we speaking of today? Well, well, let me tell you all something. I mean, Come on right. down. Yeah. Ba -da -ba. Let me tell you what he's wanting, Johnny. Uh, well, you probably read it in the title. Um, Let's assume for once this person is blind. You know what? You're really insensitive to that one person who might be blind listening to the show. Sorry, Gus. Named our... Just named her blind. Hashtag sorry Gus. <laughs> the second I brought this up, I knew it was going to do a hashtag. Oh god. Hashtag sorry Gus. Sorry Gus. Anyway, uh, I guess it's pretty apropos because this past weekend, I, for the first time in my life, attended the local major music festival. Really? Your first time going? I had never been before. I mean, the saying is I've never gone before, but always wanted to. It just yeah. never works out I for me. That's it. I've wanted to a bunch. It's never worked out. This time, I finally said, fuck it. I like the lineup. I bought tickets the day they came out. I requested time off work the day I bought tickets. And it's just like nothing is stopping me from going to this festival. So I don't want to go too much into it, but I know our lineup, the three headliners were Red Hot Chili Peppers, Radiohead, and... Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's always been it. My issue with those bigger shows has always been they're so expensive, which again, if you're a fan of majority of the bands going, can be worth it. But in almost every case, for me, it would have been like the two out of three headlining acts. I would have gone one of the two days on the whole weekend. Yeah. And then maybe two to four other bands during the day. Mm. And you know that at least one or two are going to overlap because they do play multiple acts yeah. at the same time. Well, I guess for me, I did. I actually did the, the post-mortem calculation. And by my count, mm -hmm. I believe I saw about at least 20, 20 bands the whole weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I could be, I could be way off. And I, I mean, I hate to ask, but how much was the full weekend pass? It was $317. And I mean... 20 bands for that price? Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but it seems yeah, like but it's you, let's there. say Let's say 20 is a good ballpark. I think it's a fair number over three days. Yeah, whether it's a band I was waiting like waiting on or it was a band that I saw sort of in the, in the interim while I was waiting for another show to start or I was just hanging out, I still saw like a good amount of stuff. Given the fact that I've paid... 80 to 100 dollars before for good seats or good play, good like your floor seating or floor standing room. For our show, I think that's pretty fair. I think so. Hang on, let me count. I got to count here. I, I, you uh, do a count, I'll vamp. One, two, three. Um, oh, I'm, I'm not. Sorry. Oh, you want to count a lot? I was in a van for a little bit. No, go ahead. Um, so I didn't go to this one per se, but I've been to a lot of outdoor shows of that. And I think the biggest thing is just it's the experience of live music. Is nothing really does music justice till you do it live. And oh, okay, I have my count. Oh, we have our count. I. Either saw the entirety of or part of thirty bands. So at three hundred bucks, that's ten bucks per band. Ten bucks per band. And yeah. I would say three hundred bucks for me would be good enough for Red Hot Chili Peppers and Radiohead alone. Mm -hmm. Like those are two bands I love. I'm curious, Radiohead, uh, Radiohead, uh, Red Hot. A lot of new stuff or a lot of classic stuff. A lot of classic stuff. They played a lot of their hits. Nice. I like the new album. I know people don't seem to love it so far, but I'm not big on it. I'm liking it. That's fair. I'm liking it. Um, but yeah, I think essentially, you know, great time. Saw some bands that I was really excited about. Right Out Chili Peppers being one of them. Oh, yeah. Saw some bands that I didn't know that much about, but really got turned on to because... Could you give us an example? Yes. Uh, I think probably the best example for me would be a band called Kaleo. Kaleo? K-A-L-E-O. I'm going to look them up after the show. Uh, they're a band that has a pretty big single right now called Way Down We Go, but other than that, there's not much. I think they only have the one album. Their one album out there. They're a band from Iceland, and they Ooh. were, I think, at like 2, 2.30 or 3 p.m. on the first day, so they weren't given <laughs> like a prime spot. So. Yeah, no, it's kind of like the, the chump spot. Yeah, so it wasn't like a full crowd or anything like that, but they killed it. The singer sounded great. The band sounded great. It was a great, great energy throughout the set. Um, and like I said, I was already interested. I was going to go see them anyway. Like I went to see them because mm -hmm. I knew a little bit of their, their, their songs. I'd listened to their album a little bit. And it translated so, so well. So obviously it got us thinking about how well a live music act can, I guess, influence 
your opinion of, of a band or even negatively yeah. influence. So uh, an example I throw around. <laughs> well, hang on. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. Live music. Live music. Live music. Concerts. I will never do that again, I promise. Please don't. But yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, you were. I cut you off there. What, do you, what were you No, it's okay. Say? Sorry, I didn't realize we were still like not into the topic yet. I thought we had already done that a little bit, but you're right. We never did the official. Anyways, what I was going to say was a band that I'm a little... <sighs> I feel weird saying a shame because really, I mean, like, it's a band I had fun. But like one that I didn't expect to enjoy was an old date of mine i used to go out with some chick was a huge fan of simple plan oh kind of they're a local band they're from montreal they're from il bazaar um yeah they're kind of in the same realm as uh who would you compare them to i mean they're not they're not punk enough to be like a sum 41 type they're more of a, like a whiny imagine if sum 41 had a little brother that was like trying to make it big and was just really whiny and emo and just yeah complained a lot. and he just was always sort of jealous of his older brother because his older brother was good in school and got girls and he'd like had a little bit of trouble that that's simple plan yeah there's not anything special their songs are super whiny um catchy as hell though surprisingly catchy as hell like there's something they'll come on and i sing along to and i realize it's them and i feel embarrassed yeah but they put on a phenomenal live show they are super fun they are super interactive uh something a lot not many bands do and i really love seeing live is covers as weird as that sounds yeah when they did a that day i remember them doing a medley of like the top five or six songs on the radio right then oh, that's uh, cool. and that was the summer that Katy perry really made it big with i kissed a girl yeah. Like, no one had ever heard of her before this, and that was her first big hit. And they sang this, and it was just like, everyone realized what it was, and had so much fun, and they did a few other, like, girlier songs like that, like, female vocalist songs, just to kind of have fun. Uh, at one point, like, for the encore, he had, they gone off stage, they're everyone in the encore, everyone comes outside, and they start playing, and the lead singer's not there. Turns out he got a wireless mic and went back to, like, the sound booth in the middle of the giant crowd, and was, like, standing on top of the sound booth, and they got a spotlight on him, and they're like, they had showmanship. I had a great time at the show, despite being a band I haven't actively chosen to listen to in maybe the last six years, at least. Like, I've heard two of their songs recently enough that I can recall, because they came on randomly somewhere, and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, Simple Plan, laugh along. Yeah. No, that's it. What What's great about live music is it can really make or break what you think of a band it's almost like the saying right Myth, don't meet your heroes yeah <laughs> I, and i can attest i i have downsides too yeah it's almost like you're taking a little bit of a risk going to see a band that you really like mm -hmm. in concert because what if they are either not good not you know very people friendly like something's off that night i don't think it would be enough if it's a band i liked enough I don't think it would be enough to turn me away from them completely, but it would be like, I don't think I would see them again. I'll just enjoy them as I have been. So I have an example of that perfectly. Yeah. There is a band I've seen live. Um, conveniently enough, it was my first live show. So I had no prior comparison to make for a live show. Yeah. So it didn't suck as bad as it could have. And it was System of a Down. Oh, no. They literally stood on stage, played... I'm pretty sure at the time it was Mesmerized and Hypnotized with their big songs. They pretty much just played the two albums in full. Right. Uh, with a few other songs peppered in the middle. Like, I know they definitely some of the big, like, Chop Suey and, like, Toxicity, the big ones. Yeah. But there was, like, literally the only thing I recall, other than them just standing there on a stage covered in rugs, playing with no, like, very minimal lighting or visual effects. It was really just on a stage, basic lighting, a few strobes. Was it one of the songs where there's much less guitar going on and more bass? Their guitarist, uh, whose name I forget at the moment. Darren. Darren. Uh, lay down and like pretended to cut up with the guitar and take a nap for like a few seconds. Wow. That was like his one big like, ooh, stage presence. And really, the sound quality was really poor to the point where the opening act, I couldn't hear a fucking thing from either one of the two opening bands. Okay. And it wasn't until like months later we had looked it up and figured out who they were. It was Death From Above, yeah. uh, 1980, whatever, yeah. 1984. I don't remember. Whatever the year there is. Uh, who had a few songs I really didn't enjoy. So I finally, I think during the show, I realized it was them because of one of their songs. Mm -hmm. And the other one was Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age opened for System of a Down. Yeah. 
Ah. And I had no clue it was them until like the, later on someone made a played a song for me because I had never really heard of them at this point and they weren't on my radar. Had played Little Sister and I was like, I definitely know this song from somewhere and it clicked. Yeah, Queens of Stone Age are fantastic. I mean, that that hurts a little bit because I was a huge System of Down fan. Um, but back, again, you know, like you said, if they were to make a show again and you were to go and I'd say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we'll go together. I would give them another chance mm-hmm. because they're a band I still enjoy. I've grown out a little bit. But I would I would go see. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. So I guess what makes a band quote unquote great live for for you? For me, it's making the show unique. Whether this be Nine Inch Nails doing something very visual that you can only do live that would never go through audio because they did some crazy visual stuff. Yeah. Or just exploring their music. Uh, as one of our friends suggested, our buddy Stu, changing the song up live. Uh, an artist I once saw, Jonathan Colton, he famously does the ending theme song to the game Portal. It was actually his song. Really? Uh, weird thing to be famous for, but that's, what he, that's where he most will know him from. Uh, one of his songs was translated to French, and because he was in Quebec, he's like, I've never done it live in French. I just translated it and posted it online for fun. I'm going to try to do it in French, pull the paper, try to sing along and read it in French. And that is a moment you will never get outside of a live show with him. Yeah. That me- that makes that show special to me. Okay. What about for you? Like, what what is really that live show thing that really makes it work for you? I think it's a mist. Uh, a mix. Wow. All right. A mix. A nice mist over the crowd. Nice mist. So good. First of all, I want a band to sound, nice. sound good. That, yeah. That's, I think, the most obvious, like... And sounding good, I think, is a little different for everybody because even in the for Oceaga, I went on the Oceaga subreddit and bands that I thought sounded like meh, some people said they were their highlights of the weekend. So I could see that. I could see even from my point of view, I'm not an audiophile. I'm not a huge music. I'm not like, either. Buff. That's it. Oh, yeah, I, I would never say either of us are snooty in that way. Yeah. Like I, my brother, for example, who buys and sells old seventy soul mm-hmm. like vinyl. Has an ear for music to the point where, like, I could play him the exact same song on MP3, high quality, low quality, off a record, off a tape. And he'll tell you where it's from, like, the quality. If it's live, he can usually tell what kind of speaker they were using. He knows his shit. That's good. But so as I long think, as I can hear it, I think I'm happy. Yeah. So I think a good combination of sounding good, but if a man just sounds good, that's also not that fun. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, audience interaction and, 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 you know, our comments that we have that we're going to read very soon, I think, cover is a combination of sound, um, enthusiasm, and just, just uh, showmanship was yeah. the word that, that you used earlier. It's like, and, and, and certain bands can come to certain extremes. For example, I've seen Muse twice. They're what I want to bring up for sure because they are something magical. They're known as right now they're probably one of the best live acts to see. And that's not me just saying this as someone who is a fan of Muse. This is something that, that is known. I'm coming off as a terrible, like terribly like like asshole-ish person right now, but yes. But I'm gonna agree with you before you go into this because if I think of my top like three shows of all time, they are in my top three because they were just so they're phenomenal. Miles. But it's not necessarily because they have a lot of audience interaction. No. They, they have very little of it. Mm-hmm. But the, the amount of production and intricacy that goes into their live shows is something I appreciate. The sound quality is so close to what you get just by listening to them on iTunes. That I also appreciate. And their showmanship, even though they're not directly talking to the crowd saying, hey, how's it going? Great to be here. Love Montreal, whatever. Their showmanship is still very clear. You don't need to say, hey, what's up every two songs to have great showmanship. Matt Bellamy, the lead singer of Muse, Mm -hmm. owns the stage and he throws his guitar up at the end and he, you know, they have these great pyrotechnics. Oh my God, yeah. uh, Their most recent tour, they came, they did their drones tour and they played the song Mercy as, as part of their encore, and they shot streamers out into the crowd. It was amazing. Oh. And it was just a great show because they also told the story. Uh, this sounds incredibly pretentious. I love it. I'm loving this. They, I, I, I've seen them twice, and I would happily go see them a third time. And, seen them once, know, I'll with you the next time. That's it. There we go. 
whereas you know other bands uh for example i just recently went to see um brian fallon yeah singer of the gaslight anthem i saw him twice actually in a two-week span um well that's what happens when your girlfriend is a big fan of uh, of brian fallon you you, you go along and you know what though i don't regret going because he was excellent both times um you know i definitely definitely got a new appreciation for him and the gaslight anthem and he was he was doing it more because i mean first of all he sounded great but he also had a great interaction with the crowd. The time we saw him in Burlington, he was definitely a lot more chatty. Whereas in Montreal, he might have been on a bit tighter of a schedule. Like, you got to finish by this time. I respect that, though. He still sounded great. You know, he still, you know, did some back and forth with the crowd. And he still, you know, made sure everyone was having a good time. I, I recall a conversation I had um, with a a friend of my soon be father in law, this guy Bruce, a really great guy, big music buff, but again a much more of a classic rock taste. And I remember talking to him at a live show. We we almost disagreed. He preferred a show that was very true to the album. Okay. Whereas for me, one of my biggest pet peeves is going to a show, and I may as well, if I close my eyes, think I'm listening to the album, which to him though was the description of a good show. He goes, if I can close my eyes and it sounds as good as the album and I feel those feelings the album's making me feel, that's a good show. And I'm like, then why not just listen to the album? Yeah. If you're going live, you want that extra you can't get at home. Mm-hmm. And I think we finally talked about it and got to a point where he's like, you know what, you're right. Like, a show needs to be special. And I think for me, some of my biggest moments with shows that are special are also ones that just... Something outside of the music, I say top three, and I can right away say they are standing out in a field in the middle of Halifax seeing Paul fucking McCartney, one of the remaining Beatles, one of the most amazing musicians of our time, in my opinion. I'm a Beatles fan. I am over the I, top I think we have similar them. top threes because Paul McCartney's also and Muse are both in my top three. Fuck yeah. High five. Uh, shitty high five. Uh, uh, right. It's okay. Uh, left-handed, whatever happens. But go on. Uh, it was just an amazing show. It was an outdoor show. And one of the things I think that made that show so much better was outside of the act was it leaked early. He was going to be playing Mulligan Tire, one of my favorite songs. Okay. And we found this out because pretty much from sunrise that morning until the show, you could hear, just like if you were anywhere quiet, you could sort of like almost be hearing a train like in the very far distance. You could hear the local band um, from the, the military band playing the song on their bagpipes Damn. so we were all expecting like he was gonna come out and start singing it and as soon as the bagpipes hit this entire troop in their uniforms came out in their kilts and uniforms with like a dozen bagpipes playing this and it was just the swelling moment yeah but it was the anticipation all day of just like you'd be sitting by the water having a bite to eat and it would be really quiet and you would just hear the that's cool the hor- oh my god Oh um, um, yeah, Paul McCartney was a great one for me. Yeah, I mean he played for three hours when I saw him. Oh yeah, easily three and hours. On his third encore, he just runs out onto the stage <laughs> full sprint, carrying this big Quebec flag, <laughs> and he's just waving it like a madman. Like, who is this? Is this guy seventy five? Like, I wish I I oh, I'm that, you know that energetic when I'm when I'm sixty and this guy's seventy five yeah. and he's running around. But I think we should read some comments because you know we don't get them all the time. We actually got a few. Yeah, we got a few. Uh, I know you wanted to pull up a. Anyone, yeah, I'll pull another one. Well, I'll start with the first one. That, that's from Shannon. Uh, and I think she she goes along with a lot of what we're saying is that one thing that makes a Brit or breaks a live act for me is how the artist interacts with their audience. Some do it well, getting everyone into the vibe and actively participating, like Frank Turner or the Struts. Some do it with anecdotes and conversation, like the Gaslight Anthem. So, like I said before. My favorite shows I've been to are the ones where the performer played off the crowd's energy and made a real connection with the audience. She goes on to say, also in terms of bad shows, when they can't translate their sound live, it makes it a little awkward. See Night Riots, Silver Sun Pickups. Which I responded to because I love Silver Sun Pickups, and now I'm like worried about seeing them live. Okay, so And I also I, just noticed in her other comment on Carol's comment, she yeah. mentions Winter Sleep. They opened for Paul McCartney and I fell in love with them because of it. Oh god. Well, but that's but like I feel like that's an important point though. Sorry, it is. Is one show can go wrong? Yes. Like, like you said, Winter Sub didn't do good for Shannon. For me, they were fine playing a live show opening opening for Paul. I mean, you're fucking on your best behavior there. Yeah, you better be. They were also introduced by Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. He was the MC for the show. That's Halifax for you. Yeah. 
But I guess a comment on Silver Sun pickups. Um, I mean, this is at Oceaga when we saw them, so this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I forgot they were there, right? Yeah. No, I'm definitely a fan of theirs also. I, mm-hmm. I knew a lot of their songs. Um, I can corroborate what, what Shannon's saying. They they did not sound amazing live. Um, but would you never go see them again? Like, if they were playing a show tomorrow, reasonably priced, you had the day off, would you not go? It really depends. It really depends. I was disappointed because they also didn't play my favorite song of theirs. Which is? The Royal We. I have to do the songs again, but yeah. But um, I think that's also another one. Like, do you lose a little bit of the fun of the show if they don't play? I mean, if 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 you are expecting them to play like some B side track, then that's unreasonable. Yeah. But if it's yeah. one of their more well known songs, like the Royal We was a single of theirs, mm-hmm. and they didn't, and they had, it had been on their set list uh, from shows they had played leading up, so I was expecting it, and I was let down. Um, but no, the singer, the main singer, sounded all right. The um guitarist or the rhythm guitarist she did not sound good at all uh it's not that she didn't hit the high notes is that i don't know if she was able to hit the high notes mm. like it just sounded it sounded very amateur and maybe it's because we were sitting on the hill like again some people in the oceaga subreddit said they were like a good act for them of the weekend i have a higher opinion of them than shannon because i'm a fan of theirs but if I wasn't, if I was just like, eh, I'm, I'm watching them, they would probably have been in like my bottom three or bottom five acts. They just Damn. did not, unfortunately. And I'm still going to listen to them. I still enjoy their music on the albums, on radio. But if they came live, I would have to see A, who's opening or who they're coming with, where they're playing and how much it would cost. Like it wouldn't be an automatic yes. Whereas maybe it would have been. But I do respect that, that you at least give them another shot if everything fit nicely. You wouldn't be like, no, fuck it. They were terrible once, never again. I wouldn't move mountains to see them again. If they come again and I want to go see them, I'm going to invite you and hope you come with and give them another shot. Maybe in a better venue. Yeah, maybe. And that's it too. Like, again, like I look at some shows. I can imagine maybe they're not prone for outdoor, the set, you know... you also have a crew that does all the sound stuff. Things can go wrong sometimes. Absolutely. You know, benefit the doubt for sure. But, there, you know, there were some bands that just did not. Believe it. Did not sound good. Um, again, to echo kind of the same premise we're getting a lot is that, that, that making the show special was our buddy Stu. Yeah. Uh, I like when an artist changes the lyrics occasionally during a live performance on purpose. And not just the how's it going insert city name bullshit. Uh, Slipknot and Five Finger Death Punch were great when I saw them. Uh, there's also the energy of the crowd and the acoustics of the venue that uh, that don't get with a re- you don't get with the recording, and this brings up a great point. One of my favorite bands played a show, my only time seeing them live, and as much as I love them, it pains me to say I'm a little too excited on the show. It was Death Cab for Cutie hmm. played a show in a church. Okay, and I mean a church great for vocals, but the instruments overpowered way too much. To the point where I literally said, I still quote, if you didn't know their set list, if you didn't know the song being played, you couldn't figure out what they were saying. Okay. Like they played a song that I didn't recognize. And I'm like, I have no idea what song this is. I have all their albums. I've listened to everything. I just can't pinpoint the song. Hmm. And you bring someone like I brought my, I brought Paula. We'd gone together. She had no idea. She goes, it sounds pretty. The view is beautiful because you are in a church. You have a great view and the acoustics are really nice. Yeah. And, when it was a song that was a bit quieter, and I think it was the one song she did know, it sounded lovely, but it wasn't the best venue. Like, mm-hmm. I really need to see them again just to give another chance. For what it's worth, uh, I only saw the last, like, ten minutes of their set, um, but they're Oceaga. Apparently, people said they sounded very good at Oceaga, so... I believe it. Not all hope is lost. I'm not a no, Death no. Cab fan by any oh, means. Oh, dude. Oh, I love them. I prefer I... Postal Service, but still, they're other not. I just, uh, I never got into them. I think I missed the boat for them. So uh, I'll leave Carol's comment for you if you want to try to paraphrase that one. Yeah, I can I can go for that because I see we're getting like towards the end of the show. And I still have one uh, show I want to share a story about because it's my favorite story. Yeah, about we, we can do a little more for sure. So uh, what Carol says is pretty much just there's nothing worse than watching a performer that just doesn't seem to want to be there. Yeah. Right. I've seen acts that sound better live than their albums. So Bar Brothers, she uses an example and others not so much. So. Bob Dylan, mm. she uses, at least not anymore. However, what makes the act stand out for me is when they leave everything on the stage, when they clearly love what they made 
that they run a two-hour set at a music festival, Radiohead. Thank um, you. That they'll fill in for a last-minute dropout. Moz Def stars. Uh, I don't like stars. Hey, Rosetta. I'm 50-50 on them. Okay. And I'll give a shout-out to Grammatic, actually, because Grammatic, um, this past weekend, Disclosure was supposed to play just before Radiohead. Yeah, I just heard they about that. They dropped out last minute, so obviously with some scrambling, they found Grammatic to fill in for a bunch of probably angry people who are waiting for Disclosure, and he did a fine job. I can't so remember who one of our co said in Disclosure, we really, they were upset they missed out on that. I would have, you know, I'm not a huge, huge EDM fan in general, but there were definitely some Disclosure songs I would have liked to see. Yeah, they're like the one EDM band I do actually have my that phone. That said, I had just seen M83 before, Dis- you know, before Disclosure was supposed to go on, M83 was one of my top three acts of the weekend. Nice. Yeah, we'll talk about more off the air, I guess, because uh, I, I, yeah, we'll there's not so much we could talk about. But anyway, to, to keep going with Carol, uh, also bands break a leg, Foo Fighters, lose an amp against me, get detained at the border and run late, but still bring everything they've got, Del Sol. Oh, shit. I, you know, I've been on both sides of the stage, when you love it, when you make it, and are proud of it, and bring that every time both you and your audience can't help but love it. That's the best thing about music, and especially live music, you can't fake sincerity. People walk out on you when you do. Yeah. I can feel that there's like I've been to shows where the you can just feel everything there. Uh, one of my ones I want to bring up, I have a few I need to bring up, and one that I love was my time seeing Muse. Yeah, it was a custom built stage on the end of a pier. It happened to be one of the biggest thunder showers. Post show, I remember walking into an ice cream place with like three friends to get out of the rain, and we were dripping so heavily. We actually created like a small pool of water across the entire floor of the place got kicked out. It was that fucking messy. And it was just them coming on stage and then being ushered off because it was too much. The rain picked up again and then being brought back out and back on. And finally, one time they all get on stage. Rain starts picking up a little bit. You can see the stage hands like pulling, waving them off or coming to grab the equipment. And the drummer gets up from the drums, walks up to the front microphone takes it and goes i'm starting put like literally tosses the mic to the ground <laughs> walks back at the drums and starts pounding on them and you can see in the lighting of the ripples of rain running off the drums starts drumming the opening to knights of sidonia oh god everyone else rushes out starts playing they're rushing and scrambling just like hanging umbrellas on the stage wherever they can like covering them the rain did begin to clear up towards the end of that show but I remember sitting there on the side in a pair of custom-built bleachers around, like, four pairs of umbrellas, so they're all just streaming water onto me. I am fucking wrecked with rain. I think I was sick for a week after the cold. I will never forget how amazing that show was. That's awesome. And that's one of those things, as much as they didn't create it, you can tell the passion of, like, you know what? I'm here to play my music. I'm here for my fans. I don't care that there's a thunder shower or the equipment might break. I want to play this show. That's the thing. You never know who's going to be watching your set. Especially if you're an opener. Especially if you're playing at a festival and you're not like a headliner. Mm-hmm. You know, a band, like I said, like Kaleo. I'll use Kaleo as an example. There are probably people there who are just hanging out. Maybe maybe even people who are camped out already for the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the oh, front sure, row. Yeah. Or people waiting for the band that was supposed to be right after them. I'm trying to remember who was... I mean, Silver Sun Pickups were not too far after them, and they're a little more well-known. Oh, the headline act doesn't close the night? The headline act does close the night. So who would have been after Radiohead if, uh, Radio, if they were the closest? No the one was after Chili Peppers. Oh, I thought you said they were camping out for after whoever was after Chili Peppers. I was like, no, they were camping out for Chili Peppers. Okay. Yeah. I misunderstood you. I thought you said they were cha- camping out for whoever was after Chili Peppers. No. Wait, what? No, no, no. For the next one. <laughs> Could you imagine? But, um... Yeah, so I mean... Those people may not know who you are. They may not have any interest in you, but you still go out there and you play your heart out. You yeah. know, because every, you know, for the first of all, how many people will be dying to do what you do for a living? Oh, yeah. You know, so bands, I, I've so far, I'd say I've, I've been fortunate enough not to have been to any shows like that where the band just is clearly not into it, at least not that I can remember and I feel like I would remember if, if I've had something like that the closest I can think of is maybe Weezer not coming out for an encore mm-hmm. uh, when I saw them yeah oh that's cringeworthy oh that's gross I'm sorry yeah and that was the first concert I ever went to what was that our, both of those our first concerts had fuck ups yeah 
Look at us. Uh, and the excuse is that they didn't hear the crowd like cheering. It's like, don't you? Isn't the encore sort of like a? Yeah, I always feel like that was even before my first show. It was like you know you do an encore. Like even to my memory, System of a Down did do an encore, and that's when they came out and did Chop Suey. Yeah, and again they were into it. They had fun, but like, really, Weezer? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, again, I love them. I would go see them on a heartbeat. Yeah, even though they have like three or four songs I can't stand. Which ones? Uh, sweater. The sweater the, song. Sweater song? <laughs> I hate that song. And there's one more I forget, but I always hear it and I go like, I hate the song. Uh, that's fair. But I was still going to them because like 99% of the stuff is phenomenal. Yeah, it was still a good show though. I can't, and like, you know, they had good energy. It's just, I guess that was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But there is something else we didn't bring up though, was the weirdly side topic you brought up a moment ago. Was, especially an event like that, like Oshag, where you see so many acts, Mm -hmm. discovering a band through their live show. Yeah. Have you ever been to a show where the opening act wasn't necessarily better, but you really found like you liked them? Yes, but this is kind of cheating because... Please. A few years ago, I went to see Passion Pit Mm -hmm. in concert. And as much as I like Passion Pit, I was actually probably more interested in seeing the opener, which were Matt and Kim. And Matt and uh, Kim, yes. if anyone knows me, Matt and Kim are my favorite band, uh, probably of the moment, and, and have been for the, the past more. few years. They're it's, excellent. I'd say for a while now. I think that's your, probably your talk uh, for a while now. The first time I ever saw them was when they were opening for Passion Pit. Hmm. And it's just, you know, as much as I knew them, it's like, I'd never seen them live. And just them live confirmed, I guess, what I wanted to believe about them, is that they're just fun people to be around. They put on a good show. I saw them again. I drove down to Burlington. Mm. Vermont uh, with Carol, our friend Carol, mm-hmm. uh, to see them a second time. And again, the energy is just amazing. It was just like a bunch of friends hanging out. And that's the best environment. They're probably my third. They round out my my top three concerts that I've been to just because they were fun and, and you know, an amazing that's time. Good. No, I like that. I was going to share. So another fun one real quick was the uh, seeing... Um, a show, a few shows with friends, and I saw an opener was Codaline. Oh, before yeah. they had ever released a major single and got yeah. good. I saw them live and they were just phenomenal. To the point where I actually, again, with Carol of all people, because she's apparently our music friend, we went to go see them last minute. I got tickets like last, last minute. I remember that. We got to the venue. The show we thought was called for like eight. It was actually for like six three, apparently, because it was a very young audience. So we got there at like nine fifteen. They were like yeah, they're about to play. The, they're playing the last song of their encore. Like, you've missed the show. Tickets were free. And then my friend didn't charge me. She gave me the tickets secondhand. But it was just one of those moments of like, really? Hmm. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I saw them opening for Air- Airport Toxic Event, who's another sh- band I've seen multiple times in the Ooh. same venue. How are they? They were a really fun live band. The singer is really nice. It was a very small venue in Burlington again. I went with our buddy Deb. Uh, we had road trip down there twice. It was oh, like two years cool. in a row. And, uh, like, they're a really, really small venue, so they were able to really, like, hang out with the audience, which was nice. That's cool. I, which I'm was a, very I'm a fan nice. of the Airborne Toxic event. They're solid. Oh, yeah. No, very good, man. I love their stuff. Welcome to Your Wedding Day, one of the best songs. Mm-hmm. I listen to that anytime I need a good pick-me-up or just, like, I'd let me down. It's a weird, like, works both ways. <laughs> but I was going to share one of my... Have you shared your top... Like, of your shows you've shared, have you shared your top show? My top show. How about you go... Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think of like what's a what was a great experience. So, one of my all time favorite bands, the Decemberists. They are you. Most people don't know them. They're did you full- share the one where the guy stood on your on your shoulder? Yes. Is that the one you're telling? Yeah. We have shared that already. On a so I will podcast. go back. So so, so that was my favorite. That's my probably top show because that was just a moment of like the lead singer interacted with me uniquely in an audience of hundreds, if not you know nearly a thousand people. It was a pretty big venue. I can't say it was maybe like 500 people, but like I was the one person he like shook hands, pat on the head and dusted my shoulder off if he stood on me for a guitar solo. That's cool. Well, they were a band I've gone to see a second time again in Burlington, our local US stop for shows. Yeah. And that was a show that was fun because it was me and my, bro- my brother and me who don't share many common tastes in music or anything really. Like really our bonding recently has been like, a road trip to go pick up IHOP and actually play Pokemon Go now is something he's into. Well, that's fine. Uh, or like getting drunk and playing a board game once in a while. And that's this actually fun. leads into one of my favorite memories of this band that was our second time seeing them. They sing a song and they usually have their encore 
uh, called The Mariner's Revenge, where part of the song is they are eaten by a whale. And before the song, it'll take some time to listen. So part of the song, a whale is going to eat us. That is the premise song. So when we give you the signal, we need you to all make your most horrible whale. Like wailing, not like you are a whale, but like wailing in pain because you're being eaten by a whale. And it's fun. It's silly. I think the, the second time we saw them, they actually brought a giant cardboard whale that came and ate them. It was really cute. And like they end up playing the next like chunk of the show lying on the ground as if they were dead. Oh, God. But like still playing and like they'll like you kick each other and have fun with it. And the first one saw them, the sign was he'll do his like giant like arms as if they were a whale's mouth like coming mm-hmm. to chomp on you. For the second one, they somehow got on the topic of the board game Settlers of Catan. Okay. So the sign, air quotes, to make the noise was him sitting down at an imaginary table putting down some cards and building a road in Settlers of Catan. My brother and I are huge fans of this game. That is our go-to, like, we're drunk, we're in the U.S., we have booze, let's play a game. That's our game. Okay. So we were just laughing. No one, everyone else is, like, really confused. We're just two idiots on the side of the stage pissing ourselves laughing at this. That's amazing. And they urge the show that I've never not enjoyed every moment of their show. They are a band I will go above and beyond to go see again. That's awesome. No, that's fantastic. So I'm curious, what is your top show? I know you told us a few already. I don't know if you already did tell us your top one, but what is your top show? Ah, wow. I mean, like I said, there's so many. There's so many that, that I've just enjoyed for different reasons. I'll have to go back to the Burlington, uh, Matt and Kim show. Um, I don't have a moment like that where the like, lead singer stood on you. A little, a little special, I'm sorry. But... Um, well, first of all, what I will say about Matt and Kim is that in that show, they were about 45 minutes late. Really? So we were a little annoyed. Okay. But they came on and they put on just such a great show. At one point, they just released like these big inflatable balls and like people were bumping around them in the crowd. People were crowd surfing, just dancing. Like, I don't know. As much as I don't want to sound like an elitist, but this was a show clearly for people who were already into Matt and Kim. And so everyone knew the word. Everyone was singing along. And just the way this band is, is that they interact with their crowd so much and they just dance. Like in between in between songs, they'll play like Harlem Shake or they'll play like Mercy <laughs> by Kanye West. And it's just always stuff. It's almost like you're going to a party, but just two people are a little more elevated than the rest. And... I don't know, just just the fact that... And, and what I should also mention is that during this concert, not only were they late, but I also had a limp at the time. Really? Yes, I was limping, so I could barely stand. Oh. And I still had just an amazing, amazing experience uh, at the show. And I think so just overall vibe, enthusiasm, crowd, you know, just dancing, getting into it. It has to be them, and that's why they're still my favorite band right now. So... I think if we're going to wrap up and say, say like a final thought, a good live act can make a good band great. Yeah. A bad live act can make a good band eh, not so great. Yeah. I think a live show does say a lot about the band because it kind of reveals what they really are. Uh, another band I remember seeing that I didn't expect to be that amazing was Breaking Benjamin. Okay. They celebrated... Um, the release of the new Star Wars movie coming out by playing the Imperial March between ah. their sets. Uh, they played... They covered something else from a Canadian singer. I'm totally forgetting what it was now. And waved the giant Canadian flag. Like, they had fun with the fact that they were in Canada and that Star Wars was coming up and the nerds were excited. And, like, you know what? Like, I expected it'll be a fun show. They're a good band. I like them. I'd heard okay things. They, they surprised me. They also... Did you hear a while back when they opened for Nickelback? Really? Yeah, it was years ago, back when I was in college. I had like a dozen friends who had bought tickets to the show because they weren't that expensive. It was a Bell Center show, but it was surprisingly cheap. And they all went, went for the opening act. And they said like when that sh- when, they, when the opening act got off and Breaking Benjamin was done, and it was like that like you know twenty minute gap between bands changing, easily a third of the audience had fucking left. <laughs> oh god! Because <laughs> people just want to see Breaking Benjamin. They don't fucking want to see Nickelback. That's. that's I think my friends. I think two of my friends were like, "Yeah, we stayed for one Nickelback song." We were like, "Yeah, no, never mind," and left. Oh, that was kind of funny. That is pretty funny. So I wrap up. Go see live shows. 
Go I, see live shows. It's a it's a bit of a risk, but it's so worth it when a band that you are that you love delivers. As we both realize, we're probably about to go buy tickets to Street Light Manifesto for the seventh, third. Your third, my seventh. My fucking okay. seven times. My third year set. That's crazy. But I'm gonna go see them a seventh time because they're, again, they're they put on a great show and it's twenty five bucks. Oh yeah, no. The, the fact they're cheap doesn't doesn't make it any harder. So again, go see the bands you love. If you didn't make it this week to share your story with us, share it anyways. Even if it doesn't make it to air, I want to hear it. I know you want to hear these stories. We love this shit. Absolutely. I love talking about live music. I love talking about bands. I mean, we should also, I should also say, I'm going to admit it right now. Obviously, the big theme of Oceania was that Radiohead was coming back. They were headlining. They were going to be there. They were going to play a concert. And you didn't enjoy the show. I didn't enjoy the show, but oh. I preface this by saying I'm not a Radiohead fan. At least I can say the one I time can... I've seen Radiohead, I've yeah. seen twice actually, sorry, once at Bell Center, once was at Jean Drapeau Park where Shaggy takes place, so I experienced that big outdoor yes. show. I can say that I've seen Radiohead in concert. I enjoyed the encores that they did. What did they play for the encore? They, well, first of all, what, what, what I'll say is they played Paranoid Android, they played Karma Police, they played a couple other songs. People were not sure that they would play Creep because when they played Creep at Oshiaga, it was the first time they played Creep in Canada in 20 years. True, they didn't play it my time either. They always say they avoid playing it live in the Canada. I'm, I'm a little okay with that. They had not played it since 1997 in Canada. We got to see Creep. Really? No one was expecting it. They ended the show with Creep. But the actual set, they played a lot of their new album. It was very slow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that, only been 20 minutes. I have yeah, an hour you know and a half what? to go. <laughs> As much as I love them, that new album isn't not, very lively. Not lively. And for and an outdoor show like that, yeah. Like, I'm happy that I can say that I've seen Radiohead live. They're one of those bands that if you have an opportunity to see them, you have to go see them. Yeah, they're a staple. They are. Anyway. We're running long. We, we can go on for long. hours. Oh I can talk about how I regret never seeing Pink Floyd live and I had a chance. Uh, missing Red Hot this time. We can talk about a million things, but... Hey, half of our audience probably knows us personally. Come say hi to us. Talk to us about these things. Yeah, you should come say hi. Yeah. We don't bite. Well, depends. It does depend. If you're a chicken, we might bite you. Bite, bite you? I was a really weird like word bite. If we're... If we're uh, man, never mind. <laughs> As usual, you can find us on the Twitters. I always, I'm always the one to do the, the find us on Twitters thing. That's okay. Well, you can find us on the Twitters at, at Ryan W. And that box was thought. I flipped it around, bitch! <laughs> oh, great. I don't have to do any work. There you go. I love it. I will thank Andrea Aries Smiles. I hope you feel better, by the way. I heard you've been sick the last few days, you poor thing. Get some rest. Chicken soup. Best thing for you. For the soul. Yeah, that book series vanished, didn't it? I never read it. <laughs> yeah, I had a few of them. They had a board game for a while, apparently. I never read it. We should have a board game. Ooh. Speaking of which, the board game. Create your own hashtag. <laughs> I just picture being some shitty board game. Well, maybe one day we'll make it. If you have an idea for a board game for us, let us know. Anyways, peace out. Have a good night. Good Cheers. Good evening. Good evening, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little tipsy, I think. Are you? A little that, bit. That's fantastic. I'm not. Okay. Oh, yeah, no. Are, are, we, are we done? Are we fin? Are we... Uh, anyway. Are we closing the podcast? Are we going to say... Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh god, there's a gremlin in my house? They're eating her! <laughs> and then they're gonna eat me! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was my good ears. Five seconds of silence. One moment. Uh-huh. Excuse me.